Hey, everybody. It's Chris DeMakes, a podcast producer. Chris Fafalius here. Hey, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, it's a three-year anniversary of Chris DeMakes, a podcast. Back on June 1st of 2020, our first episode ever came out. Our guest was John Feldman, and he broke down the writing and recording of Goldfinger's Here in Your Bedroom. We've released 156 episodes since then, never missing a week in three years. So thanks to all of you for sticking with us for so long. You might also know that we do another podcast each week called The After Party for our supporting cast members. Supporting cast is basically a Patreon, just a different name. If you go to ChrisDemakes.com and sign up, you'll get a weekly episode of The After Party, plus over 100 episodes in the back catalog, like the one you're about to hear. This is one that we released after we had Rachel Bolin from Skid Row on to discuss 18 in Life. We threw it back to June of 1989 to talk about everything that was going on in the world. Those episodes are always so much fun. So yeah, ChrisDemakes.com, as Chris would say, for the cost of an apple juice at the Cracker Barrel, you can support the podcast and allow us to continue doing this. Hey, we'd really appreciate it. Okay, here you go. Originally released on May 2nd of 2022, here is the After Party episode titled Time Capsule, June 1989. Welcome to the... Hey everybody, welcome to another After Party, where today we're going to take a look back to June of 1989 to coincide with the episode of Rachel Bowen when 18 in Life by Skid Row was released. Yeah, you were excited when I sent you this idea for an After Party, Chris, because you were like, I remember everything about June of 1989. <laughs> I guess you were what? You were a teenager, right? I was uh, 15, yes. And it's funny, when because you, you had texted me last night and said, uh, what do you remember, or do you remember June 89 like like it was yesterday? Because, I mean, you were only, what, eight or nine then? Yeah, I was nine. You were nine. So, I mean, you were, certainly remember it, but, uh, you know, nine and 15 is a lot different. It was just an exciting age. Uh, I was had just finished my freshman year of high school, so I was going into what would have been my sophomore year of high school. Oh, wait a second. Let me think here. No. I was going into my junior year of high school. Excuse me. Okay. Junior year. Right. So it was the summer between 10th and 11th grade. And I wasn't too happy, though, Chris, because my mom made me take a driver's education class, which was a summer school class that was offered. So uh, the reason was you got a break on your car insurance uh, if you went to Ah. driver's ed. And it was a pretty, pretty big break uh, because they figured, okay, you've never really driven. You're young and you're male. Male's uh, insurance was always higher because we, you know, seemed to be more reckless or at least it was back that was the the rule back then so uh yeah i was uh not too happy about having to go to summer school that that bummed me out yeah that sucks but also she was getting ready for you to have a license as soon as you turn 16 so that's kind of cool she was and she handed me down her 1984 brown four-door buick century that uh sick that i ended up taking to college it was the party wagon nice yeah see no it all worked out it 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 did it definitely worked out so yeah like you said chris june 16th of 1989 is when 18 and life was released it's not actually when it was like at its peak in the charts or whatever but it was when it was released and june you know, if you're listening to this episode when it comes out, summer's on its way, which you couldn't tell if you were looking out my window right now because it's <laughs> it's snowing right now when we're recording this outside of my window. But 
We're recording this in late late April, but doesn't matter. June of 1989. That's June's always an exciting time, especially when you're a kid. You're on summer break from school, and I just thought this would be a cool time to look back on. Uh, Chris, I want to set the mood for you a little bit more and put you even more in that headspace of you being a teenager. Here are some popular songs in the charts in June of 1989. First of all, I'll give you a chance. Can you guess any that might be in there? Well, I I may be able to, but I'd like you to give me the artist and I'll tell you the song. Okay, so New Kids on the Block were number one on the charts right now. I'll tell you that right now on June 16th. Okay, and that was 89. June 16th, would that have been for the song Hanging Tough? No, it's actually the song, and I like New Kids on the Block. Keep in mind, I'm nine, so I like New Kids on the Block. Um, (laughs) It was I'll Be Loving You, and then in parentheses, forever. Oh, yes. I kind of don't remember that one, but I bet if I hear it, I'll remember it. I do remember that song. Bette Midler was in the charts. She didn't do Wind Beneath My Wings. Who did that? She sure did. Okay, okay. That was Bette Midler. Okay, yeah. Also, Chris, Bobby Brown was in in the charts for a couple different songs at this time. Would that be Don't Be Cruel? No. No? Okay. What was the big Bobby Brown song I'm blanking right now? So the big Bobby Brown songs at this time were Every Little Step. That's right. It's a jam. And we're going to, this is kind of a spoiler alert for something we're going to talk about (laughs) later in the episode, but also on our own was in the charts Ah, at this time. Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) Also in the charts at this time, Chris, I'll I'll go through these kind of quick. Richard Marks, Satisfied, Uh a song we've just talked about last week or two weeks ago on the after party, Nina Cherry Buffalo Stance. Yes. That was that time period. Millie Vanilli, Baby, Don't Forget My Number. Good thing from the Fine Young Cannibals. What Guns N' Roses song was in the charts right now? In 89, I believe that would have been Patience. You got it. All right. All right. <laughs> Good job. What I believe should be the national anthem of the United States, I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. Ah. <laughs> Forever Your Girl from Paul Abdul, which totally makes sense. Dude, this is around the time when I got was getting my first albums and stuff, and I had that album, that Paul Abdul album. Some good songs on there. And by the way, everything that you mentioned, they were all MTV staples. And that whole summer, right. MTV was on at my house. Unless my dad was home maybe watching the news or watching some sitcom at night, it was MTV 24-7 in that house. I I, yeah. I watched Headbangers Ball every Saturday night religiously with Mark Cruz. Um, it was just man, what a great time! I, I I so many great memories of that summer. Yeah, I'm gonna stop. Well, I'll stop naming songs when, and I'll let you guess when I come to a band where I'm like, oh yeah, you're gonna know. Okay, which right now is one of those examples. Cinderella. Cinderella. That would have been. I remember. 
I remember Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone was a hit in the fall of 88. And don't ask me why I know that, but I do. Uh, was this for Coming Home? Sure was. All right. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Uh, <laughs> Toy Soldiers by Martika. What a great song. I love that song. We just did a one-hit thunder about that song. She's cool. Express Yourself by Madonna was in the charts. Another one you like, the, one of the creepiest songs ever, Into the Night by Benny Mardonis. <laughs> um, Gosh. I'm sure you can guess what great white song was in the charts at this time. Would that have been Once Bitten, Twice Shy? Hell yeah. Okay, well, and, <laughs> and the Benny Mardonis song we've talked about before, that uh, was a re-release. That was recorded in like 80, right. 81, I think, and, and that was when... For some reason, uh, disc jockeys in the late 80s were, you know, giving songs a resurgence that had been recorded years earlier. Interesting time. Right. And Chris, what winger song was in the charts in June of 1989? I believe that would have been headed for a heartbreak, right? Yep. You got it. There you You go. got it. And and the one more that I noted, just because I love this band as a teenager, I like punk rock, but for some reason I loved this band. I think it was because of their MTV Unplugged. But- Trouble Me by 10,000 Maniacs popped up into the top 100 for a minute there. So uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, man. All right, so now we're going to go through June of 1989, and some notable things happened in June of 1989, some things I learned about, too, that I didn't really know a lot about. But uh, on June 2nd, in the theaters, Dead Poet Society premiered. Yes. Uh, Oh, Captain, My Captain. Yeah, that uh, movie was huge. And man, those were still the days where, uh, you know, 89, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be movie theaters, but... Uh, the blockbuster uh, video rental type stores were just huge and it was all VHS tapes and you'd, you'd go there on, uh, you know, Friday, Saturday nights with your parents and, and you know, stock up on a bunch of bad candy and popcorn and, and movies and good times. Yeah. You weren't able to do that with Dead Poet Society yet. You'd have to go to the movie theater to see it. And dude, do you notice how quickly movies go from the theaters to like, on HBO and stuff now, or sometimes it's simultaneous. I guess the pandemic kind of caused that a lot, but yeah, it's really quick from movie theater to like being able to watch it at home now. Oh yeah. Though they, they, they capitalize quick because uh, people these days seem to have fleeting, (laughs) fleeting memories, fleeting thoughts. Uh, June 3rd. Now, Chris, this is something, it's one of those things like it didn't really, I guess because maybe it was happening, but it didn't learn about it a lot in school. But on June 3rd was the beginning of the Tiananmen Square Massacre as Chinese troops opened fire on pro-democracy supporters in Beijing. And by the next day, now, things I watched went anywhere from 1,000 to 10,000 as far as the death toll that happened here. But I didn't know a lot about this. And last night I watched a lot of stuff about it and learned a lot. Yeah, it was, uh, it was protests that, you know, when I think if you look at the lower numbers, I think that's maybe what the Chinese government wants you to think. But I think there was many more atrocities that were reported. Yeah, it was a really sad, uh, upsetting, disturbing thing that there. Um, 
But that was it on June 3rd of 1989 that they opened fire. You know, there were months leading up to that, the protests. But uh, yeah, uh, there's lots of uh, good news documentaries about that that I watched a bunch of them last night. Um, completely different subject. This is so trivial. But on June 7th, Chris, I thought this was interesting. For one second on June 7th, the time was one. 23 and 45 seconds on six, seven, eight, nine. So for one second on June 7th, it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We lived that, you and I. We did. <laughs> we lived that. Yeah. Growing up, Chris, I was a big hockey fan. Not necessarily a fan of this guy because I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm a Mario guy. But um, on June 7th, Wayne Gretzky won his ninth Hart Trophy, the, to be MVP of the NHL in 10 years. He was the MVP for nine out of 10 years in the NHL, which that's like mind-boggling. That's crazy. What an, uh, what an amazing accomplishment. You, you can't puck with that, Chris. Another sports thing, which I thought was interesting. Once again, I'm from Pittsburgh, and on June 8th, the Pittsburgh Pirates scored 10 runs in the first inning, which prompted Pirates broadcaster Jim Rooker to say he would walk from Pittsburgh to Philly if the Pirates lost that game. Well, guess what, Chris? The Pirates lost that game 15-11, to and at the end of the season, Jim Rooker walked from Pittsburgh to Philadelphia. <laughs> he, kept, uh, he kept Dr. Scholl's footwear in, in business that summer. Yeah, for sure. That's, uh, that, that's a that's a hike. How long would it take? Let, let me look here um, real quick. Let me. I'm gonna. So I'm just gonna do a quick search. It's like a 300 mile. <laughs> let, let me let me see. It's a 300 mile or so distance. So 300 miles, and if you're walking, you can walk like four miles an hour. Yeah, but you got to take in consideration. There's gonna be rough terrain. You got to stop for cars or street lights. There's gonna be stuff along the way that's gonna slow you down. Certainly, right? I mean, it'd probably take him a. A week, because it's like 75 hours if you're walking four miles an hour. This is saying it's going to take four days and seven hours. Right. And then you stop to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, but that that, that doesn't count sleeping, so I'm going to go with you over a week. Yeah. The Pirates really screwed him over. And how do you lose if you (laughs) score 10 runs in the first inning? Man, Pirates. Pirates have always... (laughs) Pirates suck, man. (laughs) Anyway... Uh, I guess they were good before I was born, Clemente years and stuff. But man, it's been a rough, a rough go of it since then. There was a, a couple of years when I was a kid when the Pirates had Barry Bonds, Bobby Bonilla, Andy Van Slyke, where they were going to make a run, and then Sid Bream slid into home plate. Didn't you watch baseball for a little while? As oh, a kid? Uh, uh, absolutely. And uh, you know, I think the only team, a, a different sport, but uh, you know, the, the 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 Pirates they rival the, the Detroit Lions in crapping all over their fans. Yeah, yeah, for they sure. really they really do. Everyone just likes to talk about how beautiful the park is. Yeah, it's not not such a beautiful team there. But anyway, uh, (laughs) enough about the Pirates. On June 10th of 1989, Chris, you may have liked this as a kid. Tales from the Crypt debuted on HBO. That was a big thing. That was yeah. that was like pushing the limits of gore. It was it was awesome. Uh, on June thirteenth of nineteen eighty nine, the Detroit Pistons swept the Lakers to win the NBA championship. That's right. I was in Michigan that summer. I believe uh, that was the Detroit team with uh, Isaiah Thomas was was playing sure was. with them then. Uh, I remember watching the championships uh, with my cousin in Howell, Michigan that summer. That team was a bunch of bullies. Yeah. 
Yeah, they weren't uh, <laughs> they weren't they weren't very well liked. That very same day, June thirteenth, Chris. This is strange. Jerry Lee Lewis got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. <laughs> Very yeah. questionable guy. Yeah, yeah. People people seem to turn a little bit of a blind eye back then to, to some stuff. Yeah, he uh, he was an in- interesting character, to, to say the least. A day later, Chris, June 14th of 1989, the groundbreaking began in Minnesota for the world's largest mall. Yeah, the Mall of America. Hey, we got to take a quick break from this after-party sneak preview for a word from our sponsors. And just so you know, there are never ads during the after-party when you sign up for our supporting cast. So maybe go to kristamakes.com right now and sign up. Just an idea. When we come back, we got a good Mall of America story. Plus, we get into a whole bunch of music from June of 1989, so don't go anywhere. What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriel, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions and lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun. Hey, Chris Makes a Podcast producer, Chris Fafalius here. You may have heard me talk about my band Punchline before. Maybe you already know us, or maybe you're hearing about us for the first time right now. It doesn't matter. No matter what your relationship with Punchline is, I will absolutely guarantee that you'll love our new podcast, A Band Called Punchline. Starting with our humble beginnings in a small town in southwestern Pennsylvania in 1997, we're telling the hilarious, strange, and hopefully inspiring story of the 25-plus years of our band in the most honest way possible, podcast style. A Band Called Punchline is an audio documentary available now wherever you get your pods, so subscribe and let me and my friends share a wild, entertaining, unique, and wonderful tale of music and perseverance unlike any other that's still being written today. All right, hope you enjoyed that little ad break. Thanks in advance for signing up for our supporting cast at ChrisToMakes.com. And now, back to the show. Hey, can I tell you a quick, funny Mall of America story that I've told <laughs> before? Certainly. So back in the day, you know, maybe 15 plus years ago, me and my friend PJ and my friend Jers would go to karaoke at this bar in, in near where we grew up, Bell Vernon, at this place called Sweeney's. And we would always perform songs. We'd always do that Starship, We Built This City song. <laughs> Uh, and, and we called ourselves where the boys are was the name of our karaoke team. (laughs) And we just, you know, we'd be drunk and go do karaoke and just be annoying and do the dumbest songs possible. Well, (laughs) around that time, punchline was on tour and we had a day off. We went to the mall of America and there was this video booth in, in at the mall of America where you could go in and do karaoke and you got a VHS tape. 
which is oh, yeah. crazy because it had to be at the end of VHS tapes. But it was an unmarked tape. So me and PJ were on tour, and we went in there, and we performed We Built This City, and we got the unmarked VHS tape, and we went with no return address, and we shipped it to our friend Jers. And so Jers got in the mail a blank VHS tape with no return address. <laughs> and he tells a story about getting this in the mail and being like, <laughs> What is this? Could you imagine getting an unmarked VHS tape in the mail? No, I can't. And what I also can't imagine is uh, the fact of you finding it and digitizing it and uploading it to the Facebook group. I'd love to see it. You know what? I don't. Yeah, I would love to see it, too. But it was just me and PJ (laughs) performing that song. But could you imagine the anxiety as you're popping an unmarked videotape that you got from a, from an address you don't know into the VHS? Like that's some horror movie stuff. You yeah. Know? Who who knows what could have been on that tape? I also made a recording at the Mall of America. Did you? Around 2003, I went into one of those kiosks. It was a uh, an older lady that. Uh, just kind of was just going through the motions of her day. Uh, just I was just another customer, and I went in the booth, and I did White Snake. Uh, here I go nice. again, and they actually burned you a CD. And oh. uh, I got done, and I walked out of the booth, and she looked at me. Her eyes were like saucers, and she said, "You sound like a professional singer, <laughs> <laughs> lady. I am." <laughs> I kind of killed it, and if I can dig that up, I will post it to the group. Dude, it's crazy. I wonder if we were on tour with you when this ha- like that's around the same time that we did that. I wonder if there's a chance. Yeah, that would have been two. Th- that would have been two thousand three. I bet that was around the same time. Dude, it, there's a chance that we may have been with you. That's funny. Um, anyway, uh, that very same day that the groundbreaking began in Minnesota on the world's largest mall, Mall of America, Ronald Reagan was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II. Hmm. Mark mark that in my who the fuck cares category. I had no. I, I, had, um, I did not know that uh, that that happened. And on the very same day, I do care about this a little bit. Carol King got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and I think she deserved her her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Old Carol King. I love Carol King. That Tapestry album, man, so good. And dude, on the very same, man, June 14th of 1989 was a very eventful day, because Chris, you are going to remember this. Zsa Zsa Gabor was arrested for slapping a Beverly Hills motorcycle cop. Yeah, that was big news. That was big yeah. news. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, <laughs> when you look into it, I I tended to like side with Zsa Zsa Gabor, <laughs> I, just for no reason. But then when I read about it, I'm like, ah, maybe Zsa Zsa Gabor was a little bit out of line in, in this particular scenario. But uh, yeah, two days later on June 16th, Chris, which I alluded to this earlier, Ghostbusters 2 premiered in theaters. The superstars of the supernatural are back. To nuke the spooks. Two in the box. Ready to go. We be fast and they be slow. Make some time. Don't put any of those old cheap moves on me. No, no, no. It's different. I have all new cheap moves. Raise your spirits. If we don't do something by midnight, you will be remembered in history as the man who let New York get sucked down into the tenth level of hell. And kick some slime. Looks like a giant jello mold. I hate Jello. Oh, come on. There's always room for Jello. Happy New Year. Bozum. Ghostbusters 2. 
You're short, your belly button sticks out too far, and you're a terrible burden on your poor mother. That's right. And it was around uh, not too much later that Bobby Brown, I believe, uh, did, did his uh, did his Ghostbusters track. On our own. Amazing song. I've talked about it a lot on podcasts. I love songs that are written specifically about a movie. <laughs> yeah, there, 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 there's no gray area there, what, what they were talking about. Yeah. He literally raps about the plot of Ghostbusters 2, which really <laughs> makes me love that song. I think it's actually a really good song, too. Too hot to handle, too cold to hold. They called the Ghostbusters at the end control. Had them throwing parties for a bunch of children. Well, all the while, the slime was under the building. So they packed up and boom, got a grip, came equipped, grabbed the proton packs off the back, and they split. Find out about Beagle, the master of evil. Try to battle my boys? That's not legal. Five days later, on June 21st, the Supreme Court ruled that it's okay to burn a U.S. flag as political expression. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting ruling uh, from the Supreme Court. Two days later after that, June 23rd, Batman, the Batman, you know, the one with Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson, directed by Tim Burton. uh, It premiered. Yes. And uh, Prince did the bat dance with that movie. Yeah. That movie was huge. I, I can't yeah. put enough emphasis on how that was the blockbuster of, of that summer. It was massive. That movie was everywhere. Everyone saw it. Uh, and looking back, uh, it, 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 yeah, it's over 30 years old. It looks dated in some respects, but uh, the special effects and Michael Keaton, I think still looks great. Yeah, I got to watch that again sometime. Like, they make a new Batman. Like, how many times are you going to make a Batman movie? There's a new one now, The Batman with Robert Pattinson. Yeah. I guess I'll watch it. Some, someone's turning eight years old tomorrow. It's going to watch it. So they'll Yeah, keep, I guess. They'll keep but how are it. there not news? Why do they keep making? I don't know. This is a whole other. I just don't understand why they keep making the same things over and over. I guess it's a different take on it every time, but like, eh. Anyway, I like The Dark Knight. I thought that was a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. The last thing I have about June of 1989 is that on June 26th, another Supreme Court ruling, the Supreme Court ruled that 16-year-olds can receive the death penalty. What? Really? Yeah. Where? It must have been a pretty heinous case. You know, I don't know what the particular case was. Hmm. But, uh, That's, but by the late 80s, a lot of states were starting to outrule, uh, you know, any, any type of uh, uh, death penalties. Uh, you know, so yeah. that, that seems that seems strange that that would have uh, that would have come into law. Interesting. Yeah. Death penalty. Interesting. Yeah. And if you want to hear a really bad album, uh, there's a band called Witch Finder General from the early 80s. They have an album called Death Penalty. So go check it out. <laughs> OK. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, play, What's the name? maybe it's called they're called Witch Finder General. So, Chris, that's that's all I got about June of 1989. Once again, that's when 18 in life was. Wow. 
bringing it around. 18 in life. I wasn't even thinking about the fact that the last fact that it was about the death penalty. I mean, not that 18 in life is about the death penalty necessarily, <laughs> but kind of in the same vein, you know? So yeah, man, that's, you have any other memories from that time? Yeah. I think that, you know, we all have those, those summers that stick out and that was just, uh, that, that summer to me was just the summer of music. Again, it was, I, I can't tell you the excitement of, of what MTV was then. It was, that was what brought music into your homes. If you didn't have that, you had to physically get up and walk or drive uh, to the record store and, and go find music. Um, it was, uh, I don't know, it was just, uh, it was a magical time for, uh, not, not, not to sound like, you know, oh, back in my day, you know, get off my lawn, you kids. But, you know, that was, that was when I grew up. It was a, a special time. Um, just incredible the the memories I have of that summer and I was also not just listening to MTV I had discovered punk rock uh, probably about two years prior to that so by 89 you know I was uh, alongside my my uh, Skid Row CDs uh, there was Bad Religion I was listening to Suffer then uh, I was listening to Descendants uh, I first heard the Doughboys that year uh, might have been six seven months later I was I, I heard the first Snuff record so uh, you know, that was starting to happen. And, and what was cool with that is, is it was another outlet, another way to find music. It was underground, but I was starting to look at magazines like Maximum Rock and Roll and Flipside. And when you went to the back of those magazines, they had order forms where you could order seven inches. So now besides radio and MTV and besides the, the record store at the mall or the local record store, there was another outlet, another way to find music. And I had no idea uh, where that was going to lead me <laughs> a couple of years later and what that, what that whole thing turned into. Right. What was your look at the time? Do you remember what, what you looked like in June of 1989? Go look at the, uh, the cover for my seven inch never surrender with, with oh. the, that, that was me in 89. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I like it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I had a, I had a mullet. Uh, I, I had a, <laughs> a, a, a gold rope chain. Um, at some point I had a, uh, <laughs> I went to the mall, and this might have been June 89. It was right around then, because I remember I was 15, and I came home. My dad just wasn't happy, but I had gotten my ear pierced at the mall, and gosh, I want to say it was like five bucks, if that, and they pierced your ear, and, and they let you pick out. They had like five different things, and the other things must have been atrocious for me. I picked a gold cross out. Wow. <laughs> and I went we need home. a picture of that. I'll no. never forget my open, <laughs> open in the front door. And there's my dad standing there. And he looks at me and he goes, what the hell did you do? You know? But uh, yeah, I had, I had a gold cross around that time. Uh, I used to work. Uh, this was the time of, of the Coca-Cola Swatch Watch. I had one around that time. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I was really into boat shoes. I had a bunch of different uh, colored wow. boat shoes. Uh, tight rolled jeans, no socks, boat shoes. Uh, wow. Shirt, shirt sometimes tucked in depending on the mood. Uh, and, and you'd have the shirt unbuttoned so you could see the neck charm you were wearing. Uh, I was probably wearing, was I wearing a class ring? No, I wasn't. But sometimes I would wear my girlfriend's class ring around my rope necklace. Wow. Yeah. This is an amazing look. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> amazingly horrific. What, what stonewash jeans? Uh, what kind of oh jeans? yeah, I had, I had stonewash jeans. I also took jeans one time. Mark Cruz and I, I took a, a, a pair of, of just regular blue jeans, and we had put rocks in them and tied rocks in different parts of the pants. And we drove them around the block tied to our car to rough the jeans up and cut them. And then we soaked them in bleach because we wanted them to be whitewashed with holes in them. But we put too much bleach concentration in. And basically, uh, after six hours where we took the pants out, they basically just disintegrated in our hands. So it didn't work out so well. So I I had to go buy my own bleach uh, wash jeans at the mall. Wow. I didn't even know making your own bleach jeans was a thing. But I I guess (laughs) it was. Yeah. And you couldn't Google the right recipe. No one really knew or the right formula, I should say. So we kind of just poured half a bottle of bleach in in a bucket and threw some uh, jeans in there. But uh, yeah, you know, I'd like to touch on again... uh, the Headbangers Ball, that was midnight every Saturday. It went from midnight till, I believe, 2 or 3 in the morning. It was like three hours. And uh, I, I would have friends over uh, to stay the night every weekend. That was a staple in the house. And it wasn't too much later. I want to say it was around this time. And I believe at first it was just called Postmodern MTV. And then it became 120 Minutes. Yeah, and it was basically the alternative, uh, the the beginning of the alternative boom, and or what people were or using the term alternative. It was around then we were starting to hear that term. What's alternative? Well, it's not heavy metal, it's not pop, it's something quirky and a little different. We're going to classify it as alternative and and put it in this box over here. But many a night watching 120 minutes. Yeah, man. And then years later, that's where I would see a less than Jake music video. So. There you Full go. circle, man. Pretty badass. Pretty badass. Before we go, Chris, I'm going to play one of the songs that we talked about at the beginning to leave people with. I think I'm going to go. I'll let you decide. Satisfied or Wind Beneath My Wings? <laughs> <laughs> let's do Richard Mark Satisfied. Let's leave, him, let's leave him with a home run. All right. Hope you all enjoyed that sneak preview of the after party. Don't forget, you can get a ton of those episodes right now by signing up at chrisdemakes.com. They'll get delivered right into your podcast app. It is nice. Thanks for supporting the show for the past three years, everybody. We got a really exciting summer full of episodes coming up. Hell yeah. Hey you, do you have any plans this year? 
<laughs> How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and while we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling is coming soon from crowd network just search for death of a rock star on your podcast app and subscribe now